Happy Tuesday, everybody. Good morning to you. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church, and uh, this is Tim with Tim. Uh, we go verse by verse through the Word of God. We do it for about 10 minutes every day, Monday through Friday. You can find this on Facebook, on YouTube, on any platform where you find podcasts, Spotify, wherever, whatever, however. I'm glad that you're with me. And uh, gosh, it's kind of a big day. We're finishing the book of Job today. I have loved this so much. And and it's just a blessing to me because I, honestly, I didn't really, I didn't anticipate how much I would enjoy, especially those middle chapters. I've always skipped them, always skimmed them, never preached them. Uh, wondered if there was really anything in there, but uh, gosh, I'm just really happy that you and I have had the chance to just kind of walk through it verse by verse. A lot of people say they read the Bible and never really read every word, every verse, but we are. And uh, and again, there's great reward in that. And part of the reward is Job chapter 42. I just love it. So God has just responded. God has spoken and God's divine speech is just amazing. Uh, primarily, what happens here is not that God shows up and answers the problems, answers the questions, because he doesn't. He doesn't say a word about why innocent people suffer, you, you know, which is the question hanging over Job. You know, why does an innocent man, an undeserving man, suffer in such a horrific, you know, uh, you know terrible way? Uh, and God shows up, doesn't answer the question really at all, and Job is completely satisfied, and it's just amazing. It's just wonderful. So what is it about God's response? What is it about those speeches that we read together that, that brings so much deep satisfaction to Job? Well, what is it that makes Job at least say, I don't have any more questions, you know, with such contentment and delight? Um, it's just God's response, which is to, for God himself to uh, just uh, not explain, but, but to describe and celebrate life and, and creation. God describes creation, life itself, as this delightful, ongoing, uh, very complicated, complex, you know, system. Uh, it, it is... Uh, again, magnificent and beautiful and hidden in so many ways. You know, so much of what God describes and celebrates are the things that human beings can't see or know. You know, the creatures that we don't have in zoos, that we don't have as pets, you know, the creatures that are just so odd and, and uh, again, perfectly made. But at the same time, it's just the way that God, you know, describes life as just beautiful uh, but also so baffling and opaque. And uh, it's not that God answers Job's question. It's just that God absorbs Job's question in this sort of irreducible complexity of life it, itself, you know? And so in the end, Job is not logically satisfied, but he is so deeply emotionally and spiritually satisfied. I think I said that early on, that when it comes to suffering, um, we ask questions that seem like logical questions, but a logical answer wouldn't help. It's not going to answer the emotional question, the, 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 the deeper question that comes from the place of pain, you know. I can say, you know, why, you know, why, why, why did, you know, my children die, you know, 
Uh, and you could say, well, because there was a tornado, Job, you, you know, but that is a meteorological explanation, but it's in, in no way going to satisfy the aching of my heart. And, and God manages in his infinite wisdom to satisfy Job's ache, you know, and, and to once more uh, bring Job into alignment, you know, with his place in creation. And it's just beautiful. Uh, Job responds here in chapter 42. Now, every time Job has responded, I mean, if you think about it, all of the book of Job, mostly Job's response is to something somebody just said. And every time he's like, no, like every time he has to disagree. It started back when his wife said, well, won't you just curse God and die? And Job said, woman, what is up with, you know, the, from the very moment Job responds to so the first person who talks to him, he's having to disagree. And this is the first time, but the most important time in the book of Job when he is not not disagreeing, but agreeing. It's a confession in the truest sense of the word. The word confess just means to say with or to agree with. So in this response, this confession from Job, he's just bringing himself once more into reconciliation with God. God and Job now once more see eye to eye. And it's just amazing. Uh, verse 2 is complicated from the Hebrew perspective because many scholars say that Job's not saying, I know that you can do anything, but you know. And you think, well, what does it matter at this point whether Job says, I know or you know, because at this point they agree, right? So it's both true, and it is. Job knows and God knows. But I think it's interesting that it's, it's hard for us to know because... At this point, Job is basically saying, I don't know anything. You know, I was talking, but I didn't know what I was talking about. I'm going to stop talking now. You know, so I think in that sense, it sort of makes logical, you know, sense to me that Job will be saying, okay, God, you know that you know, you, you know what you know. I don't know anything. So, so again, just verse two, it depends on how you translate it. But many scholars say that what Job says here is like, Lord, you know, he's no longer arguing from or answering from a perspective of what he knows, but what he knows doesn't matter. What God knows is what matters, you know, and, and, and I sort of love that. I had only heard about you before, Job says, but now I've seen, seen you with my own eyes. Whew, I love that. Um, I could preach a whole sermon. I won't, but I could preach a whole sermon on what I would call hear, hearsay religion, you know. Job's religion up to this point has been based on maybe what his friends said or what everybody's always said, you know, but now Job has had an intimate personal encounter, you know, and throughout scripture, this is what God wants of us. It is, you know, Jacob who wrestles with God, you know, and God changes his name to Israel, the very people of God. The name means he wrestles with God. In other words, God wants us to, to tangle up with him, you know, in ways that seem almost aggressive, you know, but in ways that demonstrate our deep need and wanting of him. You know, and so Job says, "Yeah, I, I, I had a hearsay religion, but now I, I think I have met you face to face. I have had a divine, personal encounter, and I will never be the same." And I love it. Verse six is interesting. Again, don't have a whole lot of time to talk about it, but just reference to dust and ashes. It's rare. In, it's, it's familiar as that kind of idiom is for us. <clears throat> it's rare in Scripture. It only appears here in Genesis. 1827, 18, it's when uh, Abraham, I believe, is talking to God and he's sort of 
in a daring way addressing God. And he says, but I'm just dust and ashes, you know. Dust and ashes now, you know, dares to open its mouth before a living God, you know. And so it's only when Abraham uses it in Genesis 18, when Job uses it here in chapter 42, then then Job said it back in chapter 30, verse 19. I called your attention to that and said, hey, y'all gonna pay attention to this because that's when Job says, I'm nothing more than dust and ashes. So uh, when you translate this verse, probably you need to let Genesis and also earlier help us understand what it means here because in both of those instances, it's a real strange kind of tension between the fact that I'm just dust and ashes, but I'm also addressing the creator face to face, you know? So it is kind of a statement of abasement. I'm nothing, I'm unworthy, I'm dust and ashes, but it's also a real strange kind of declaration of of the way that God crowns dust and ashes, human beings with the kind of glory to know him and to tangle up with him and to uh, have these personal encounters with him. We are not just dust and ashes. We are dust and ashes that is created in the image of the God who makes us and and dust and ashes that, that is crowned with this ability to to speak to God, to hear his voice, to know him, to inhabit, you know, be inhabited by his spirit. I mean, so it's this, again, it's a, it's a kind of tension here. And I think we need to read all of that into Job's reference when he says, I, I take everything back, you know, what I said. Uh, I, I, I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Again, the Hebrew's a little more complicated, a little more nuanced, probably has more to do with what Abraham does when he, when he dares to address God, to bargain with God, even though he's only dust and ashes. You know? uh, anyway, I love that. Many people sort of worry about the conclusion. It almost sounds like, um, like we're back where we started. You know? So what, what was all this for? You know, if Job's going to end up rich anyway at the end, you know, then doesn't that just prove the friends right? Because they all said, Job, if you repent, God will just give everything back to you. But no, God says, no, 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 you, you guys were not right. You did not speak rightly of me, you know. So what were they saying the whole time? The guy says, no, it's not right. What they did was continue to propose this transactional view of God where you give God righteousness and he'll give you back riches, and God says, no, you never spoke rightly of me. It's not transactional. And that's what Job kept saying. No, no, I'm not getting this because of what I gave God. This is not transactional. This doesn't make sense. You know? So there are no transactional relationships with God. You don't give God something and he gives you something back. God gives us everything. You know, I mean, he gives us the faith that we have to believe him with. He creates us in his image so that we can know him. He gave his son, Jesus, to purchase our salvation. It's not transactional on our side. God gives us everything. So what you see at the end here is God's delight and God's freedom. So it's not that God earns, you know, Job earns riches, you know, back by repenting. So now God gives him riches back. No, it's just that it delights God to bless. And so in the end, God, who is free to do whatever he wants, he chooses to forgive the friends. Job chooses to pray for them. I mean, God says, this is what y'all need to do. But understand, these are still acts that are engaged in freedom. You know, they obey God, they repent, and Job prays for them, and then Job once more is blessed. Uh, Job gets twice back everything. I mean, he just really does, twice back everything. He still gets 10 children back, though, not 20, but 10. 
seven sons, three daughters again. But notice how it's one of the strange moments in Scripture when it, when it says, and God gave him children. He doesn't name the sons, he names the daughters. I, I, I love that. I, I love that because there's nowhere else in Scripture. And it just sort of once more speaks to God's freedom and the fact that Job's free too. So why don't we just name the daughters and, let, and this time let's include all the daughters like their sons, you know. And so they all get inheritances, even though that was unheard of in the ancient world. But, you know, for that matter, you know, so was, you know, ha having a personal encounter with the living God, you know. So obviously God's free to do what he wants. And at this point, in some ways, so is Job. And so Job... Uh, names his three daughters, and the first one is named Jemima, <laughs> which I love, uh, Jemima. You know, so anyway, you probably heard of her. She went on to have this, you know, massive pancake syrup empire. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Jemima, it's a Bible name. Uh, Keziah and Karen, Karen Hapuk, uh, Karen. Um, his daughters are named. I, I love that. The sons are there, and uh, Job once more is blessed, lives a long life, sees his Children and grandchildren to the fourth generation. So, uh, wow. I was always on Team Job, y'all. I'm glad to see him come out blessed. Then he died, an old man who lived a long, full life. Um, when you're in suffering, it seems like things will never change, that this is going to be my whole life now. But understand, uh, although this is the story we tell of Job, the way he's remembered, uh, truthfully, this was just this much time in his life, you know. He, there's a lot of other stories to tell about Job. Most of the stories were about blessing, you know. It's the same thing's going to be true of you. Whatever you're going through now, it won't last forever. It won't last. It's not going to be what defines your life. You know, there's something on the other side of this, and this suffering cannot thwart God's intention to bless you. Uh, you know, don't ever forget that. Couple of leftover questions for me. What happened to Elihu? Like God doesn't say, and, and, and you, you know, the, you remember the young kid at the end? I, I think Edie called him Eddie Haskell. <laughs> the young kid at the end who comes up and says, Man, I'm telling you guys, you know, I tell you, let, let somebody who'd never been to college tell you all about something, you know? God doesn't even speak to him. I don't know what to make of that. Um, Satan doesn't come back, not that I want him to, but I kind of would love, you know, to, you know, see, you know, whatever, but. Well, Satan, and, and we never get another word from Job's wife, you know, I, I kind of like to see her come back too. We know she comes back because she has 10 more kids, God bless her. But I guess that's a story I'd love to hear one day, the story of his wife. She went through all this too, you know. Uh, anyway, I love you guys so much. I'll see you. I've gone over. I'll see you Monday, Monday, uh, Monday morning. We'll take the rest of this week off, all of us. Monday morning, we'll start the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. I'll see you next Monday in the book of 1 Timothy. Love you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a good Tuesday.